0: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, it's hard to know where to start this morning with this prayer. It's been so long. And just an hour ago I was with you down East Neck Island, That's what I call our hiding place, praying about this morning, and it has arrived. Lord, we thank you for our arrival back in church again, although this is a building. We are the church. Like Bill Gowdy said last week, we the people are the church. It matters not where we are. We are the church. Three churches united together are the church. Lord, this morning I'd like to pray for first for those who have not seen us to visit them, the sick, the lonely, the lost, who have suffered through this time, and yet have persevered through it. We have lost many since March the 16th. We pray they are with you, getting all the joys and rewards of heaven. While we still go through what we go through here on earth, this is not over with. It will not be for some some time. We are a nation that has fallen away from you and you are showing us who is in charge. We pray that we can come back as a united people together, as we once were, to make this country great again. You are the only one who can do that for us if we want it to happen. So be with us as we try to do our best to repent Ask for forgiveness, so we can be in your favor once again. Lord, we ask you to be with this merger team who has been having difficulties lately. As we have come closer to coming back to church, the traditionalism has risen again in the ranks of each church. Lord, traditionalism is something you never used in the Bible. It is not part not supposed to be part of your church, praising you, glorifying you, and being your people who obey, trust, and honor and glorify you is what you care about. Traditionalism means nothing. So be with us as we fight through this and persevere to become the united church that you want us to be here for this community, and for you, we thank you, Lord, for this day, this glorious, beautiful day. We thank you for the safe return of Pastor Gary and his wife. And we thank you once again for giving us what you have given us. And may we, in return, give you what you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: and thank you all. I just want to tell you that if if you get a little warm, a little stuffy behind that mask, feel free to pull that down and uh, get some fresh air. Uh, Don't feel like you can't do that. Uh, You should be as comfortable as you can be. So Anyway, uh, thank you for those words that you prayed, John, for sure. Um, I'm pretty excited about where we're headed over the next several weeks. We're starting a a series of messages that are are based on the, the life of Abraham I've I've titled it uh, the promise and it's it, it really is it really is about that uh, it is about the promise and for some reason my slide control here isn't working so uh, you will see I'm distracted that's why I don't know why but anyway so they'll, they'll get me to a, a a regular slide here. Sometimes people turn out to be different than you thought they were as you get to know them better. You ever found that to be true? <clears throat> I used to think my grandfather hung the moon. I thought, I literally did. I thought he, I mean, there was nothing better. He could do no wrong. He taught me to drive. At dinner, all the food wound up on his end of the table, so you sat next to him, right? He didn't care if we let, if we got dessert first. He didn't care. He didn't care if we built things in the, in the yard, we were shooting guns too much, we drove our three-wheelers too fast. He didn't care about any of that stuff. He was great. My grandmother, she would fuss at us for all of those things. And not once did he get mad at us for doing any of those, he was fantastic. As I got older, I began to see some chinks in his armor though. Uh, but instead of losing respect for him, our respect actually grew as I learned of his sacrifice and his generosity. And that's often how it is with people, right? The, the more we spend time with them, the better we know them. and sometimes it makes you love them even more. My grandfather was like that, and the man that we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks, Abram, as his name is, uh, or you may know him as Abraham. Uh, As we begin this series, The Promise, um, we're looking at his life. The first 11 chapters in in Genesis were were about Adam and Eve, Cain Cain and Abel, or Cain and Seth, however you looked at that story. Again and again, man falls short of God's design over and over and over again. After experiencing salvation from a flood, men continue to choose their way over God's way, building a tower so that God might might come and make them a powerful people. So it's it's been a story of disobedience, murder, deception, drunkenness, nudity, rebellion, all that wrapped around God's grace, Forgiveness, generosity, and a crazy tale in just the first eleven chapters of Genesis. And then comes chapter twelve, with Abram. Abram was a remarkable person, truly remarkable. I say this because the three largest religions in the world all trace their roots back to Abram, or Abraham, however you remember Christianity, Judaism, and Islamism all all trace, all claim Abraham. As the father of their faith. That's pretty remarkable. That that each follower in all of those religions claim, claim claim that Abraham is the source of the seed of faith in them. That's not all. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament refer to Abraham as a friend of God. It's a great song, friend of God. I don't know if they it knows or not, but but Abraham is one who walked with God, who lived in God's presence, and who stands as one of the most noble people in all time. so why study Abraham? I believe not only all of those things are true, but I believe probably the most motivating thing about why we need to spend some time looking at the life of Abraham is because we are called to live a life like him. You say, oh, what? Where would he get that? Well, Hebrews 11 describes the faith of Abraham and includes with, with him as one of our witnesses, as one of the people watching us, cheering us on, encouraging us to throw off anything that hinders us, that we might run the race of faith that he ran with with the same perseverance that he ran. He's cheering for us. So I think it's wise to spend some time getting to know just who is this Abraham and what was it about him that earned him the reputation of having such great faith. What we'll discover over the next few weeks as we consider this promise, it's just that. The story of Abraham is an amazing story, albeit story of a very normal man. Abram, that was his name in chapter 11 where we concluded last week. He's the 10th generation of Noah in the line of Shem, right? You may remember all these people. You may not. His father is Tara I don't know if you remember Terah or not uh, but but Tara is one of the the generations one of the children of, of the line of Shem and Terah takes his son Abram and his childless wife Sarah and his grandson Lot and they go to Canaan but instead they settle they, they don't get all the way they settle in Heron, which today would be in, in southeastern Turkey, they remain there the rest of Tara's life, maybe fifty years, maybe longer. See, with the way they, the way things happened back then, they were probably shepherds. We don't, we don't know for sure, but they were probably herders, and so they would herd in an area, and then they would move a while after ten years or so, and they would stay there for a few years, and then they would move on. Well, his dad was doing this, and he had gotten all the way. Up to southeastern Turkey before he died and then in chapter 12 we see this passage the Lord said to Abraham go from your country your people your father's household to the land I will show you go he says that's a big task to leave everything you knew to leave everything you knew all you had get your stuff and get out leave your homeland your culture your family all you've known your whole life, basically, leave it behind. Leave it. Leave your relatives too, he says. Take what you want. Take what you need because you're not coming back. You're leaving. Get out. Come and follow me. See, God is calling him according to God's plan, not according to Abram's plan, right? He's not... Not thinking, not asking Abram, what do you think you should do? No, he's calling him because he has a purpose. Now, often we think of Abram or Abraham. I'm going to say those back and forth. I'm not going to stop saying both of them. because we, He changes his name later in the story, but it'll be confusing for, for a little while. But anyway, we think of Abram as having this supernatural faith. About, but, But I think when we do that, when we think of Abram as having this remarkable, this unbelievable faith, I think we cheat ourselves. I think we actually cheat ourselves when we lift him up like that because it makes it almost mystical when in reality it was faithful obedience. And and as we lift him up, we make that impossible for us. So let's look at where he was. He has no children. He has no heir, right? He has no children. His father had, had left his homeland already. They were wanderers. Nomads in the desert. He has no place to settle, no roots to, to rely on. He has memories of his father taking him on a on a journey to Canaan. That's what it said in chapter eleven, if you remember, that he was taking him to Canaan. But it, but he settled in Haran instead. He had his father's inheritance, but but that was all in the Middle East in that time. Your name, your significance, came from where you were. Where you were. That was. That was where you got your importance—the the dirt around you. And they had—they were wanderers, shepherds, herders. Abram was a traveler. He was a come here, as y'all might say, right? He a, and he was always going to be a come here. He was never going to be from here. There was nothing he could do about it. But the Lord speaks. The Lord calls him. And we have no way of knowing that, that Abraham was a, or Abram was a God-fearing man. We have no way of knowing that, that nothing in Scripture tells us that before this moment he was a God-fearing man that he worshipped God. We don't know that. There's no record of his faith prior to this time. He lived in a pagan world, a world that worshipped all kinds of gods. So it's pretty reasonable to expect that, that he too was one a pagan. He was not a, a God-lover. He lived his life as he best could. And that was it, but God interrupted his life. God interrupted it, called him out, called him out in order to bring him into a relationship with Himself. This is what faith is. This is how faith works. It's a seed that's planted in our soul, and then one day it starts to show life. One day, just don't know why. And this is what Abram. This is what this is what every Christian has always experienced. You're a follower of Christ. You've experienced this too, that you were just living life. You were just living life, and then all of a sudden, life wasn't so fulfilling. You were just doing the best you could, and then you began began to get dissatisfied. And getting more didn't satisfy you. You needed something different. Tried different. But those different things, they didn't work either until finally God spoke to you. You've experienced this. One day you hear your grandma or your granddad telling a story about how they came to faith. Or you hear God's word in youth group back when you were a kid. Or maybe it was a song in the car. Or a story somebody told at work. Wherever you heard it, all of a sudden the world began to look different to you. God calling you out, calling you out of where you were or where you are into a place where he wants to take you. Maybe you're being called out in order to be brought in to God's will today. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. We hear God's word and we're brought Abraham was experiencing this very thing right now. Romans 11.8 tells us. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home, go to another land that that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. He left without knowing the destination. We think of that as supernatural faith. It was inspiring. I'll give you that. But it wasn't unheard of, really, when you think about it. I mean, how much faith would be required to move from nothing to something? How much faith would it take to move from barrenness, no children, to children? How much faith would it take to move that far? I don't think it would take much. I think you're desperate. Some of you have been desperate before. It didn't take much for you to change. God called, and you're like, finally, relief. There's a way out of this mess, Right? It's not so different than what you've already experienced for many. of you. How much faith would it require for you to obey the God who appears before you and speaks to you directly instead of any other plan that you could? His plan is always better than our best guess. His plan is always better than our best guess. Even though some of us are pretty smart. Abraham was too. Abraham answered God's call by faith. Genesis, we're going to keep going here. I could get into that. I've been reading this for a while now, and I'm all about it. I will make you into a great nation. Verses 12, uh, chapter 12, 2 and 3. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. God calls him and goes right into the covenant promises. Did you notice that? That God called him to get your stuff and go. This is what's going to happen. There wasn't a pause. There wasn't a pause. I think of myself when I read this passage. Because oftentimes, when I feel God prompting me to do something, when I feel God nudging me to to say something or go somewhere or talk to somebody, oftentimes i was like, I don't think they're ready. For it. I don't think this, I think I should, I think I'll go to, tomorrow would be a better day. I, automatically, I start coming up with reasons why I'm not. Why my ideas will be better than God's ideas. Even though I know it's crystal clear that God is nudging me to, to move to now. And I'm like, yeah, I think I know better. You don't hear that? Well, God didn't give me my chance. I went straight into, this is what's going to happen. You see, I rarely give God time to show me what the fruit of obedience would look like. I think if we just wrestle with what God has asked us to do. Stop. He might show us what obedience would look like in our lives. You don't see Abraham's excuses. No arguments why why he should stay in Haran, about why he's still mourning his dad, no reason why Canaan isn't really a fit for him. They don't have good Wi-Fi. You know, it's no excuses about, about all the reasons why. That is not a good place to be, right? No, he doesn't give any of that. No excuses no arguments about why it'd be better next season right? or in the spring. Trip would be prettier in the spring. No, he doesn't go into any of that. You, could, you struggle with arguing with God about the things he asks you to do. Debate it. I get that for sure. Abram, he just listens. God lays out a promise. Abraham may not know it yet, but he's soon to discover that God keeps his promises. You see, the world would be blessed because of Abraham's obedience. God would protect him. We'll see this going to play out over the next several weeks as we work through his life. But just let me give you the cliff note version of what happens here. Here's a man with all his wealth, traveling through uncharted territory, right, without protection. And instead of getting beaten and robbed at every stop, he gets wealthier and wealthier and wealthier as he travels. I mean, it's pretty spectacular when you think about it. Like, that wasn't just a, a time in the world when you would just travel around and carry all your cash in an in a open bag, right? But that's basically what he's doing. He's got everything out in the open. He can't hide anything. And instead of it all being taken from him, he actually gains more and more blessings. We'll see that play somehow. And get, all this happens not because he's so great, but because God says, I will bless you. I will, I will, I will. God says, I'll do all these things. Abram is, is instrumental in, in, in being a blessing to the whole earth because it's through the line of Abraham that we give Jesus. We're familiar with John 3.16, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Not to judge the world, verse 17. Judge the world, but that the world is saved. Ultimately, Jesus is the answer to the promise that God is making to Abraham. Abraham. But it's Abraham's obedience that's required for it to be realized. Remember, Abraham is being called out in order to be brought into God's plan. He has to be called out first. Now, and we we may not get the promises directly from God like Abraham did. Like, you may not get promises from God directly like Abraham but God is at work in and through God, His people. Because God's plan always includes God's people. He wants to include us. That's what it means when it said that, that Abraham was going to be blessed to be a blessing. You know, we, we think of, when we think of the church and the church's mission, we think of John 3 16, right? Uh, or we think of uh, Matthew 28, 19 and 20 to, that that we're to make disciples, right? That that's the direction of the church. But I think it can also go all the way back to this with Abraham. You were blessed to be a blessing. It's what happened yesterday out there in the field behind Western Chapel. Right? You are blessed to be a blessing, not to, not to hang on to it and keep it all for you. You were blessed to bless others. Church is the hope of the world. I truly believe that. Not because we're special, but because the one who's at work in us is so very special. That's what we see in this next passage that we see in verses 4 and 5. So Abram went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. They arrived there. God said, leave it all and follow me. Abraham thought, yeah, but why waste all this? He wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. He brought along Lot, who he was told to leave your your family behind. He brought along his nephew, which would be a thorn in his side for a while to come. He was far from perfect from the way he dealt with God's directive, with the way he dealt with his wife. We're going to see in the weeks to come. He was not a perfect, he was not perfectly obedient, but he was faithful. I suppose God is grading us all on a curve and that we're, we're, we'll be judged by the faith that we've been given? Adam, I mean, Abraham was not perfect, but he was faithful. The key to to, to that this whole thing is, is that obedience is the key to walking with God. Walking with God it grows our faith. And we're going to see over the next weeks that Abraham's faith grows. He changes as he walks with the Lord on his journey. As his trust in God grows, his dependence on God's Word grows, the direction God gives him grows. We see him becoming a man of great faith. And to think it all began, it all began by him leaving hopelessness for hope. He left hopelessness for hope same is true for us. As we walk with God, our faith will grow. It starts to take a small step. That's it. Just take a, as small a step as you have to take. Your faith will grow. You may not feel like your faith is strong. That's all right. Walk with the Lord. Just walk with the Lord. And as you do, naturally things will happen that will expand your faith and will get richer and deeper as you go. I promise you. When we know this is right. I mean, when you think about it, that I mean many of us have, have followed Jesus, but none of us have ever followed Jesus into a drunken student. Right? None of us have. None of us have ever followed Jesus into lusting after someone other than our spouse. None of us. Right? We've we've never followed Jesus into cheating the client or lying to a policeman who pulled us over for speeding. We've never followed Jesus into those places. He's leading us somewhere different. He's leading us somewhere towards holiness. He's leading us to a place of transformation. But Abram, he continued toward the land of Canaan because he had been called out of his old life. He was called out of his life in order to be brought into God's. We see in in the closing verses there in the section. Verse 6, Abram traveled the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. Bless you. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and I on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out and continued on toward the Negev bunch of places where we're not really sure this is, right? Basically what he's doing, he's leaving uh, southern Turkey and he's coming down next to what we would think of Lebanon, right? And he comes down through Israel. And look what God did. Look what God did on this journey. It was long, it was filled with trouble and stress and worry and fret, anxiety, right? Traveling all these places that Strange places filled with strange people. Not neighborly folk either. God didn't leave Abram alone on the journey. But rather, God always gives us assurance for the journey. God showed up. Abram had second thoughts on this trip. Like he's walking through the desert thinking, what am I getting myself into? That's that's human nature for us to question, to think that. What am I doing here? Abram saw these as opportunities to display his faith, practice obedience. Just like your problems at home or at work or at church. Instead of asking why, God, how about this? Maybe it's a chance for you to show your faith and practice obedience. Practice obedience to, to God. Instead of asking god why are you why are you letting this happen let it be an opportunity to display your faith in god's word and his promise and practice obedience to god's will god showed up and he gave abram a homeland he, he gave him the land that you're walking on, will be for your children I think that meant very much to a nomad a man who had no place God shows up and says, here, this is yours. That place you just walked, that place you just pitched your tent, it's yours. And all the land you're going to walk on for the next weeks, that's yours too. Yes. Promise of a homeland, an inheritance for children that he didn't have yet. I think that wasn't an encouragement to him and his wife. Absolutely. I mean, they knew they didn't have kids, but they're starting to think, maybe it's going to be crazy, but maybe it might happen. Abraham was called out in order to be brought into God's plan. This was God's idea to include Abraham in what he was doing. God knew the trip would require tests and temptations, challenges, battles, but God is there to see him through. And he revealed himself to prove it to him. He's there to see you through anything that he would call you to. When we walk by faith, God draws close to us. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us, that in Him, all things are possible. That in Him, we can endure all things. That when we are weak, He is strong. All we are asked to do is obey, to follow. I say that because I have a good guess that many of us think, yeah, but, but life was so different back then. It had to have been easier for them to obey. Follow God. Like that. I'd like—I just say—I challenge you on that, because I don't—I'll agree that life. Well, I'll—I'll I'll agree that the pace of life was different, but that was it. That was the only thing that was different. They didn't go to work in a car or in a plane, right? They walked or rode a donkey. But the—the the options of of who they lived for, for God, for themselves was the same. The choices of priority. Me or others were the same. The manner of living, greedy or generous, prideful or humble, they were the same. When you get down to the root of it, life was the same for them as it is for us today. They may deal with different issues, but life was equal. Abraham saw God's calling as an opportunity to leave nothing of value and gain something of immense value. God's calling was... Is the same for us today to leave behind what we have for something better, to be a part of His plan. God is calling you, calling each one of you. As Wesleyans, uh, we understand this this idea of God's calling in, in kind of three facets, if you want to think of it like that, like a diamond, right, with three three different unique facets, three ways of looking at God's calling for us that he has for all followers, for every disciple, for every person who claims the faith in Christ, three callings that that you you deal with. First one, the calling is our salvation. Our salvation, we are called to be saved. We're called to repentance. To turn from our way to follow Jesus into a relationship with God, our Father. The second facet to this calling, right, is a call to simplicity simplicity. I don't mean easy, but what I mean by that is that after we receive a call to salvation, the the direction and the course of our lives begin to change. Things get harder. Decisions get more complex. Life does not get easier. It gets more difficult, actually. We want to follow Christ, but we have to work. We have a family. We have friends. We have social obligations. How do we balance all those things? Call us to simplicity. Not easy. Simple as in focused. Focused. Steve Dinoff wrote writes a blog that I read often. in answering the call of simplicity, he said, We change our way of life, the way we act, the way we treat people, and the decisions we make. Just like the disciples, we were called to become fishers of men. Their whole life, no matter what they did, was focused on making disciples. If you answered the first call, salvation. But you're debating God on the second call, like how you you have a separate life of Sunday life and every other day of the week life. If you live like a saint one day and and like a hellion the rest of the week, like like I did for many years of my life, I just want to say. If you struggle with that, two different lives that you're living, I just want to say, get used to it because it's not going to leave. You. It's not God's not going to leave you alone. He will not stop nagging at you about that. He knows you're not doing that. That's not going to go away because He's seeking to, to sanctify us, to, to make us holy, to clean us up of the things that burden us. That's His desire for us. God wants all of no matter what you do, no matter what your job is, your vocation, your, your hobbies, doesn't matter. He wants all of you. He wants that too. The third calling is mission. We're called to be on mission. To, we're, we're summoned to one particular cause. This, this writer, he said it this way. A specific task. It may seem like an extension of our call to simplicity, but there are important differences. For starters, the call to mission may require us to change our career. It can mean a move. It can mean gaining more education, earning less, working alone, living in a place we're not fond of. It's a jealous and guarded friendship with God. Under His anointing, while we accomplish a certain task, and then it's over. Then it's over. This is one of the telltale signs of of a call to a mission. After we accomplish a certain task, It's over. There's a beginning and there's an end. People who have this call speak of being under orders or carrying a mantle that others do not have to carry. It's a burden for them. A good, holy burden. There will come a time when the mantle is lifted and placed on someone else. But for now, they must do it. In April of 1999, I remember going to work that day and getting to work and hearing about uh, a school in Colorado where two kids had gone in and Shot twenty some out of their classmates. I the was like, "That's never happened back then." But I was like, what? What? "What? what? I was confused. That spring, earlier, I guess in February or March that year, I had gone on a walk to a mass, and I had told uh, God and I told my wife when I came home after that weekend that that uh, I was willing to do whatever God called me to. Do. I didn't care. <clears throat> I had no idea at the time what that would. Why, or what I was saying yes to but I'd already said yes and I asked her I said would you say yes with me and I don't know if she answered me right away uh but she I don't know she looked at me strange and that was yeah because I was in a weird place and that was not how I usually talk but coming home from work that day I remember distinctly stopping at church to pray and, uh, I mean, yeah I do that kind of often uh but that day I did and there were there was a group of people that gathered there to pray uh, that afternoon about what was going on. And I I remember distinctly that uh, just at the altar, just saying, God, I'll do whatever. That somebody needs to tell people that there's a better way. That there's a better way. Sometimes we think of the call as a place to realize our dreams. Sometimes it is. But sometimes it can cost us dearly. And I would say if God has put a fire inside of you, just stoke it. If He's asked you to join Him in a cause, then leave what comfort you have for whatever He has called you to do. Don't negotiate. Don't gamble with God. Don't, don't deal-make with Him. Don't think of how inadequate you are or how I'm too old or I'm, I don't have enough or anything else. Don't think it's too late. Just say yes. Those people, uh, this writer he said, those people who are happiest are those who have taken the greatest risk. They've stepped out into a place that was uncharted and unsafe. They didn't know how it would end. They only knew that they were supposed what they were supposed to do next. So whatever God told them, they said yes. I know that God has called me speaking to you. I know that God is calling. Because that's what God does. So when, whenever you hear me or someone else up here speak about opportunities to serve, whether it's in worship, helping with technology, or, or in a learning hub, watching over some kids, or, or in our youth ministry, helping some young adults discover Christ. Those are exciting places to, to be a part of where God is working. That may be God's calling for you. I don't know. I don't know where he's calling, but I do know that he's calling. So I'll leave you with this question. We were going to have a song. We're over time. so i want to leave you with one question. I'll give you a second to think about it, and then we're going to pray. The question says, God is for sure calling his people. If you believe that God is for sure calling his people, but you aren't sure what that calling is for you? What are you doing to figure it out? What, are you, what steps are you taking in your life to figure out what that calling is? That he has on your
0: life. Lord,
1: we love you we thank you that you have set us apart for this time as this thank you that there are people that are that are watching this maybe today maybe another day who are wrestling with how you call us to follow and i thank you that you are that you are graceful and you are generous and you are consistent and you never call us some to a place where you're not there to help us, where you're not there to see it through. But you'd love to see us step out in faith, not knowing where we're going to wind up, but just stepping in our feet. Lord, I ask you to speak to your people today. I ask you to speak to your people and give them give them an encouraging word that you love them and you have such great plans for their life. Right around maybe some around the world, maybe some across town. It's exciting to see. As, as we look at you at work in the life of Abraham, God, it's exciting to know that, that you are the same God who's at work in us right here today. I praise you. Thank you for what you've started. I ask you, Lord, to use us for your glory here in this community, in this county, around the world. Love you. I would ask you, if you can, to to stand with me and uh, join me in our benediction as we uh, send each other out, because we are called out in order to be brought into a relationship with God. If you would, life is much more than an accident. Wherever I go, I believe God needs me. Wherever I am, I trust God has put me there. He has a purpose for me being there. Christ, alive in me, wants to do something through me, no matter where I am. I believe this. Go in His grace and His love and His power. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a fantastic week. And next week, I don't know if we'll be here. Or we'll be somewhere else. But stay tuned. Call into the office if you need to know. We'll have it up there by Friday, all right? God bless you.